Welcome to Throwback to School. Welcome to do 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 Throwback to School. Uh, welcome to Throwback to School, the podcast where we talk about stuff we liked in high school and if it's good anymore or not. I am the uh, older model sent from the future to protect a young child. My name is Andrew, and with me is the evolved model uh, uh, made of pure liquid metal, and her name is... Liza, I really wanted to be an angsty teen, but I guess I'll be the advanced T-1000 liquid metal dude. Emotionless, um, the the expression on your face never changes T-1000. That's how I think of you, Liza. You know me. I love to disguise as cops. And with us is uh, uh, the the angsty teen of the podcast. Returning again, uh, his second appearance, it's Lewis Nick. What's up, Lewis? Oh, my God. You are so embarrassing. I can't believe it. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Mom! Mom! <laughs> Go get a haircut, Lewis. Oh, yeah. I have a couple <laughs> haircuts behind here. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Doing well. Good. Enjoying good. the second lockdown. It's good times. Yeah, yeah we're watching the, watching the second Terminator in the second lockdown. It's Lockdown all familiar now. Judgment Day. I'm, I'm on board. That's right. Um, hopefully, um, let's see. We're, hopefully, we're actually yeah. avoiding actual Judgment Day. Uh, yeah, maybe. Hopefully, three billion less people die in this uh, <laughs> this Judgment Day. But um, oh god. Yeah. So, uh, Lewis, mm-hmm. welcome back, to Pod. We're here to talk about T2 JD mm-hmm. uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, get us get us started. What why why did you pick Terminator 2 for this lovely episode? Uh, a few episodes of your show ago, Liza mentioned that um, the movie that was number one in the box office when she was born was this movie, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, uh, the 1991 movie, which um, I remember seeing, uh, it was a summer blockbuster in the middle of my high school career, I guess we could say. Uh, and I just was really struck more than ever before by the massive age difference between myself and Liza. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Every time I we record, I think about how much older I am than her. For the record, uh, it caused me to look up the movie that was number one on my own birthday, which was in 1975. Um, I got two different sources. One says Dog Day Afternoon, but the other one says Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I'm going to go with that one. That's a better choice. Yeah, Although that's a great, a great one. Movie. Two good movies, but not for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. I I like the idea that Rocker, uh, Ro- uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show tells us something about your lifestyle, Lewis. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so T2, uh, the sequel, obviously, to The Terminator, starring Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. Um, tell So sum up some of the plot real quick. What What is this movie about? If you want to give it, we don't have to sum up The Terminator. It, it really doesn't have a ton to do with this movie, uh, but feel free. So just very briefly, in The Terminator, um, a robot is sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor. A person is sent back to stop the robot. Um, he does so, but they also have sex. And then John Connor, the future of the resistance is eventually born. Uh, in this movie, John Connor is, what are we saying? About 15. Um, and, uh, 
he is uh, a bit of a hooligan. He's living with foster parents because his mother, who's been training him from birth to be a resistance leader, uh, is in a mental asylum. Um, two more robots come back from the future. One is Arnold. He's there to save John Connor and presumably Sarah Connor. And uh, the other one's there to kill them both or kill John. And there's a asylum breakout. There's car chases aplenty. There's um, a big exploding building at the end where they destroy the remnants, hopefully, of the Terminator from the first movie. And, um, yeah, they uh, they succeed, believe it or not. And that's why no more movies happened after that. <laughs> that's right. This is the end of the Terminator franchise officially. Yes. Um, until recently when uh, Terminator Dark Fate came out and, and they thankfully restarted the franchise right from the end of this movie. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, perfect. Three, three total movies yeah, now. Three total movies. There are not three other movies that we don't have to speak of. Um, are, you, are you a fan of the franchise as a whole? Uh, not particularly, and I'll tell you why. When in, was it 86, I think, the first one came out, mm-hmm. I was a Freddy cat, uh, which I am to some degree still this day, and I was terrified by the ending of that, and I could barely watch it. And uh, I did enjoy T2, but I, I didn't really stick with it. At some point in there, I saw the third one, the third one, the first of the three that didn't actually happen. <laughs> the and, now non-canon um, Terminator movies. Yeah, then I didn't see anything until Dark Fate recently. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan. I am a huge fan of James Cameron. Mm-hmm. And watching these movies, I do kind of have part of my brain working on how he made it. And I just he just impresses me every time. So, Was one of the reasons you went to see this one in the theater originally because of Arnold Schwarzenegger's glistening body? Um, well, <laughs> parts of him, but not necessarily. No that, wrong uh, answer. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to write, answer this right. I am a big Schwarzenegger fan because uh, I watched all his action movies in the 80s. And um, yeah, I was excited to see a new Arnie movie. It was a giant, big budget James Cameron thing. And I saw it a couple times, once in Hawaii on a like a two-day trip, which is not worth explaining. <laughs> I've been to Hawaii know. twice and for a total of less than 24 hours because I immediately move on from Hawaii every time I go. Uh, but I did see the movie there uh, with some friends. It was great. There was some GNR on the soundtrack, which we were all really excited about back then. And uh, what's that? Guns uh, and Roses. Yeah, Guns and Roses. The You Could Be oh. Mine. It's uh, played endlessly during the LA River Chase scene. Um, so there's that. Some rock, dude. Yeah, some real rock and tunes. I have seen all six of the terminator movies um so including sorry. the ones that don't exist including the wow. ones that don't exist so terminator 3 came out when i was working at blockbuster video and it was one of my free rentals of course that you got every week so i i've seen terminator 3 i didn't see it in theaters but i have seen it mm-hmm. i saw terminator salvation in theaters um the christian bale starring one with um what was that guy's name who was a a hot actor for a minute sam worthington as the mm-hmm. ter- as the terminator um and then i saw terminator genesis um as it is properly pronounced since it's spelled that way uh on like hulu or something and it's it's um it's very dumb it's like i mean these movies are not like cerebral and smart but genesis is like particularly stupid but it's kind of fun it like mm-hmm. it's it's a very dumb action movie. It's got uh, Amelia Clark from 
Game of Thrones, and it's it's a, a very stupid popcorn action movie, and I enjoyed it. And then I just recently watched Dark Fate, which of course is now the canon um, sequel to this movie. Uh, wow, the, the Dark Fate, but I we don't have to get into it. But the way that it concludes the story from terminator 2 is jarring and very funny but um mm-hmm. yeah another like kind of kind of stupid fun action movie as well and like you're right like the the terminator is scary like i agree with you i think it's like especially once he sheds the the arnie skin like it's just a very mm-hmm. scary looking robot and they kind of go away from that in terminator 2 like terminator 2 is very fun. I enjoyed watching it again, um, but it's it's a it's a popcorn action movie versus like the yeah. first one being more of like a thriller horror. Like she is just trying to evade this very scary robot. This one, the scary robot is like saying funny things and you know talk to the hand, you know, like stuff like that. So it's it's it, there's a little more humor and lightness in this movie than there is in the first one for sure. The fact that it's basically being sort of programmed to say witty things by a fifteen-year-old makes it just yeah. like the least scary teddy bear of a killing machine that you can imagine. Yeah, but because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, you still get some like he's not. You're not not worried. Like you're not worried about him like in a fight because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's this ginormous dude, and regardless of him saying you know talk to the hand or you know whatever like doing like a, a high five too slow thing. Um, he's still intimidating and like, Mm -hmm. you know, when he goes up against Robert Patrick, who's like perfect for the role of the T-1000, like just this like expressionless cold killing machine, um, it was, is great. And the dichotomy between the two, I think is really good as well. Is the first one scary because it's gore? Because this one seemed more gore than I had anticipated. Oh, also I've, I, before I watching Judgment day i had only seen the third one somehow <laughs> i the saw third the third end. one in theater when it came out so and it that's, only, it. that's, it could, that's all i had your experience could there. only go up from there <laughs> um I, mean, I remember liking the third one a lot i remember it, it, it like it was like funny and i was like oh these movies are funny mm-hmm. okay um and then so now that i've seen judgment day it was a lot more gore like i multiple set times screamed oh that's disgusting like is the first one also gore it's not gore it's just more like a like there's like there's not as there's not the sort of stuff you know where like like i said where he's like high-fiving john connor and he's too slow <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. you're you are like the surrogate for the audience in the movie is kind of john connor so like because of that, it's it's meant a little more for like a little bit of a younger audience versus like mm-hmm. the first movie. It's not I would say it's not classified as a horror movie, but there's a lot less levity in it. But probably okay. like I call it a highly intense action movie yeah. with a okay. sci-fi element. Yeah, because the the parts that I thought were more jarring in this one was like every time the T one thousand stabs people in the eye with his oh. arm sword like. The- the what so that was um, disturbing multiple so times you know and uh i saw that it was available uh we have youtube tv and mm. i dvr'd it from like ifc or something or, or you know whatever channel bbc america and so we got all these swearing edited out of the movie 
like mm-hmm. you just see John Connor like mouth a word and I'm like, oh, okay, they just couldn't, you know, they didn't want to like one. They like, I'm glad they've gone away from movies doing the like, Hey, flip you dude, you know, whatever, <laughs> like sort of editing. And they just instead go like you man, like, so I'm glad they did that, but they showed in full, like in the, in the hospital scene where the T-1000 pokes his metal finger through the guy's eye and just like, bah! like they show that whole thing, but he can't say shit on TV. I was just like, what's the, <laughs> what are you, who are you saving here? Like, you know, yeah. oh, my delicate ears are good, but uh, my eyes, like I'm glad to have seen that. It was just like, what's the, what's the weird that's line always, here? It's always been a weird thing about American film rating and, and, the sensors that are on broadcast TV and so on, the amount of violence you can get is almost unlimited. To get like a, a real violent rating, you're talking about RoboCop level or something like that. I mean, it's really rare to find something that's X for violence. But mm-hmm. um, any amount of swearing or um, or nudity or sex, that stuff is what really gets the the sensors uh, up in arms and yeah i mean you know nipples are going to give people nightmares so i know that there, hide them. there are plenty of movies that are um really trying to get uh avoid an r and that's why they limit a lot of the language and stuff like that but crank up the violence uh why not because walmart won't sell r-rated movies and they're a massive force of uh of video sales so hmm. There are outlets that can control that kind of thing as well, and it's a uh, not a good thing for American cinema, quite yeah. frankly. The um the the story I always love is that um Edgar Wright, the the uh, director of the Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead movies, and and Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. is he always does a cut of his movie that has purposefully badly like edited swear words. So like they do. If they have like a scene that has multiple, like he knows this is going to get edited down for TV, he always does like a version of the movie that is available that has like wildly like varying levels of like fake swear words in them. <laughs> and so, like, if you ever see like Shaun of the Dead on TV for whatever reason or Hot Fuzz, like, usually it's not like a the 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 network didn't edit and like you know, so, you know, flip you or whatever, like, they'll always have some weird edit of the movie that he made that is purposefully for tv so that they don't like weirdly edit his movies that's smart i would i if i were a movie maker i would do that too because then you have more creative control over like you still get to be i don't know have control over the 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 swearing part yeah i mean when i watched uh t2 it was on prime and so we watch we watched we usually watch stuff with some titles although the prime subtitles are not great um and they well it's not really subtitles it's um you know hard of hearing translation or whatever captions uh and they were spelling out the word fuck multiple times because the kid says it drops f-bomb like every so often but then they couldn't spell out dipshit and we kept re- reading dipstick all the time. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, did they forget what, like, did, have they never heard of dipshit before? Well, like, I mean, usually, I think now it's like there's a computer that does it for them. It used to be there'd be like yeah. for somebody who would analog closed mm-hmm. caption everything. Now it's, there's a computer that catches up with it. And I think there are just certain words that don't make sense to computers and maybe dipshit is one of them where it's just like well, that's not a word you must have meant dipstick yeah because dipstick makes sense 
I mean, it's like the computer doesn't know that it's like Edward Furlong yelling at, uh, you know, the kid who played Budnick in Salute Your Shorts that like, you know, you dipshit. Like, you know, they're like, oh, he probably said dipstick. They're like, they don't know. Like, it doesn't recognize the context of, of a scene. They, For all they know, they're two mechanics working on uh, changing somebody's oil. <laughs> Yeah. They're fixing that helicopter up yeah. in the in Mexico there. So that's right. Lots of dipsticks in the thing. Yeah, so hand me that dipstick. <laughs> <laughs> um the thing that I was not prepared for for this movie is the 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 Sarah Connor character, honestly. Like I was not prepared for her to be that like traumatized damaged woman I, it was she's, very disturbing and it's like she's so mean to her kid like borderline abusive but then you also know that she's gone through horrible shit and i haven't even seen the first movie but i can picture it and like the whole time during the hospital like i think they give a good primer to like explain why she's like completely mm-hmm. terrorized and like writes that fine line where you're like she's been told she's insane for i don't know how long and mm-hmm. sort of the viewer is like is she insane like we know that it in this world like what she's talking about is reality mm-hmm. but like the way her reaction to things are so like over the top they're you know, like she still acts insane even though what she's talking about is reality um and yeah i had a hard time like feeling bad for her well, no, I, I was like, it was like a halfway. I was like, I feel bad for her, but also she's so mean to this kid. Like, this kid mm-hmm. does not have one chance to not be damaged as well. In the first movie, she's basically the victim. Uh, you know, she's chased by these two guys from the future. One is trying to help her. Um, eventually, she ends up in a police station where she's interviewed by the same doctor who's now running that facility in T2. And he's able to sort of talk her out of this apparent delusion. The problem in the first movie, which is brilliantly made, is that there's no outside proof that this guy, that these guys are from the future. They just see big hulking Arnie, who seems to be bulletproof somehow. And then this other guy who tells a very insane story but can't prove it with any bit of evidence. And then right after that, Arnold shoots up the police station, kills the 17 officers that you hear about in the second movie. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what keeps her from deciding it was all a, a delusion in uh, Kyle Reese. That's the other guy from the future that he came up with. That's the sort of proof for her and carries her into the, the course of her life that we hear about in T2. Um, and gosh, I got to say, it's so smart in T2 how they retconned the story of John Connor's life from being conceived in the first one to like the, the series of boyfriends that mom has all of whom train him with deadly skills and leadership and stuff like that. <laughs> it just sounds like a bunch of weird woodsmen or, or you know, desert dwelling people that she's been uh, dating long enough to teach her son these skills. It mm-hmm. sounds like the strangest motherhood in the world. She rocks. Yeah, in, she and, rocks in this movie, by the way. Absolutely. <clears throat> oh, no, she's like phenomenal. Like yeah. as, even the actress. She. I assume she buffed up between movie one and bo- movie two because I don't recall. I mean, I'm yeah. sure she does some of the action in the first movie, but it seems like she's, you know, she's so, like, fit in this she's one. She's definitely got a lot of uh, tone in her arms that we see. Um, she's really just a very skinny woman. So mm-hmm. when you see her, like, wearing all this army, it just sort of hangs off of her. It just Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she's definitely got um, and some really good skill training in terms of guns and 
all the rockets and stuff like that just she's firing away every every movie so yeah i i agree that the the sort of like they don't like give you the flashbacks of the kids like previous years living with his mom and like but Mm -hmm. he does explain like the multiple boyfriend and sort of weird like training relationship and uh yeah like on the road life or whatever um and so you get that slightly from the kid's perspective and what i didn't like sort of understand well first i was very thrown off by the narration coming from sarah connor is that in the first movie too um i forget it might have ended with some of that yeah i I feel like they didn't they didn't use it like all the time so then every time it would come on i'd be like oh right she's telling the story like i don't know it just threw me off but the the scene where she's like watching arnold Schwarzenegger and john connor play the like patty cake almost yeah (laughs) patty cake whatever yeah exactly (laughs) um they're like almost uh you know jump roping together and uh she like narrates to herself oh maybe he would be a good dad i don't know i was like (laughs) what the fuck is happening like she trained this kid to be a soldier through these different relationships with other men and is afraid of arnold trisnager's character because in her life that person was a bad dude in her previous life but now she's like "Eh, i could just abandon my kid and he'd be in a good in good shape is that was that i think idea i think the i think like the she has recognition that she is like not a good mother and like Mm -hmm. part you know a lot of that is the the trauma that she suffered from the first movie like you know obviously Mm -hmm. as, as we talked about she's great in this movie because she is a a woman portraying like extreme physical trauma and like she's she is on edge like there's not a point in this movie where she like breathes where she like lets down easy she's always on edge and so like i think when she sees you know like she has you know herself had to like abandon john in this you know in this in this world and seeing him sort of like lightly like you know high-fiving with the terminator and stuff it's like she has been through so much that like that to her seems like a normal like healthy relationship for for john and so i think it's just it's more that like wow she's been through so much that to her this is like you know this giant robot that like you know is the exact is a copy of the one that tried to kill her could be the father of my child like he you know they could have like a good relationship and um, it's just, I think it speaks more to what she's been through than like, he could be a really good, he could be a really good dad. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I, like also he was literally sent by himself, right? Like John Connor, adult John Connor sent owner Trusnager to go mm-hmm. save his family. Right. And yeah. so the whole time giant beefy Arnold Trusnager is like listening to the orders of this 14 year old which is not your best parent-child situation, <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> um, in terms of like who's in charge. But um, yeah, it 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 was just like a funny, I don't know, an interesting like way for her to sort of let herself cop out a little bit and then peace out and try to murder 
the inventor of the chip. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. Um, Miles Dyson. Dyson. Yeah. yeah. But the the actress who plays Sarah Connor is phenomenal. Like all the scenes in the, even in the hospital where she like with her big bangs and she's like playing the like insane woman tied to her bed. Uh, yeah. Like um, escaping herself with a paperclip. That was great. Those yeah. skills. Also, uh, I was very on her side when the abusive hospital staff gets like, she like whacks him in the head. And I was like, yeah, get him! (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was fun. Um, So what uh, do either of you have? I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about favorite scenes, you know, paperclip and stuff, but do either of you have scenes that really like stick out to you as something that like really piqued your piqued your interest while watching there's so much of it um i think i recall having a a severe fondness for the scene at cyberdyne which is the it's a corporate office building that they're going to blow up in order to eliminate the the original terminator evidence and the police show up and arnold who has been told not to kill anyone uh grabs a minigun which is i don't think meant to be (laughs) held by a single person but he can do it just fine yeah and shoots up the parking lot of police cars while driving the cops away and and therefore not killing them and it's just a a very iconic scene of this giant man with this really giant gun uh obliterating everything in a a large area it's uh it's just it stuck with me from high school i know it's a it's a very funny scene because the police even yell out he's got a minigun And the the precision that it must take for a like I would say an imprecise weapon at best as a minigun for mm-hmm. him to like receive zero casualties while like shooting at and near every cop blowing up their cars you know all this stuff like zero casualties happen it's just like it's a very like oh, he's uh, he's pretty he's pretty precise on that thing yeah and I uh, you know as I said part of my brain is always wondering how they make these movies and the, the parking lot scene must have taken weeks where they just set up each little shot and each little squib to go off to look like bullets mm-hmm. and the cops run and hide then they blow up the car and then they stop filming and then two hours later they do another one little two second scene you know uh, and then they blow up the whole building at the end as far as i can tell because uh, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't look like a model to me <laughs> yeah there's a, yeah, there's that, a lot that of was property like, destruction in this movie yeah exactly i like I was very I always forget that like anything made before 2000 that has like a car chase is like they fucking flew an entire semi truck through a bridge into like a riverbed or whatever the fuck that thing is supposed to be yeah and and I was watching that and I was like god damn you burned that money <laughs> like Absolutely. do it <laughs> it's also really funny the logic of the truck survives a fall from a bridge into a riverbank, and then what it does, like, the thing that takes it out is Arnold shooting a tire. Like, that the tires yeah. didn't blow out when it landed from, like, a 30-foot drop. It's Arnold, like, it's just, like, Arnold going, and, like, that's that's what took its tires out. You know, the yeah. 2000 is often very dependent on very ordinary uh, circa 1991 stuff working just fine. Like, every truck he gets behind the wheel of it's the truck you know he's the least vulnerable part of the whole thing and yet he's still like held back by all the trucks he gets into it seems like it's also like it's i i guess i don't really know what is he able to form into and not like 
He takes the the form of other people. He melts himself into the floor perfectly at one point. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, what are the limitations to, like, what he can... Because he turns himself into a knife or, you know, whatever. Like, could he could he turn into a helicopter? Could he turn into a, a semi truck? Yeah. A semi truck. Like what is the, <laughs> what are the limitations of his transformations? They explicitly say he can't make moving parts. Okay. Um, so he probably can't do anything that turns. Um, oh, he can so probably he turn into like a light aircraft. Solid. Of some <laughs> the idea is that he can be one solid mm-hmm. item. Yeah. But yet he can transform into a human, which is multiple parts. Well, he just transforms to the outside of a human. He, we don't know what's inside. It's he just have the liquid miasma of... in there. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, interesting. 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 <laughs> One of the things that fascinates me about the first two movies is that if you sort of if if these were real, then everyone in L.A. remembers that time back in '86 when some huge dude wearing sunglasses shot up a police station, <laughs> and he was the suspect in the phone book killings where he killed all the Saracanas in the phone book. And like that's weird. And that guy disappeared. Whatever. Nineteen ninety one turns up. A bunch of stuff happens on the same weird day. One, the phone book killer shows up at the mall, where he shoot has a shootout with a hero cop of some kind who throws him through a window and then leaves, <laughs> and chases a kid on the motorbike. That same day, Sarah Connor breaks out of the mental asylum, and some whack job drives a truck into the L.A. River and then hits it into a, an overpass and blows up the truck. What and then there's like this weird thing at the steel factory and the cyberdyne system building like, blows what a world up. to live in. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's just like LA, right? Right, yeah. Pretty much. Like, that's a regular weekend in LA. That's the, that's the Dodgers winning the World Series. That's the you're you're one you're one Lakers championship away from that happening in one day anyway. So that's and LA, baby. One hundred percent of those people move on and go about their day the next day, not realizing what just happened in their city. That's right. They it's go. Great. They go. They themselves go to the Lakers game. They sit next to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Louis, because the I did pay. Like, I caught there was like a patron of the mall, or maybe like oh no, it's the security guard at Skynet mm-hmm. who calls the cops and is like, "Hey, something's going down. My partner just got like." tied up in the bathroom uh and i think it's the guy from the mall uh so i did like because it's so like in a, the story is sort of in a tunnel like you only see what the main four characters see like you don't right. really know what's going on outside of that of like the regular life of regular people besides the one that get murdered but the mm-hmm. just him saying that i was like okay so there are like tv channels and like the news is propagating that there was like this horrible thing that happened at the mall and they did recognize him as the guy mm-hmm. that murdered the cops 17 years earlier or whatever that was supposed yeah. to be. um maybe not 17 a little 15. while yeah. yeah here we go the, um, i was gonna say the first movie relied a lot on people turning on a tv to the news and them talking about first like there are two murder victims with the same name which is super weird yeah. And there's a third one out there, and the cops are like, eh, we should send a unit to her place. Maybe we we'll just check she's okay. And they find that her place has been marauded and, you know, everyone there dead and so on. Uh, so they do a lot more of that news interaction. I, and I feel like they could have done more here, but I feel like 
what they have is so good that I, I don't know if we needed it. It's just, mm-hmm. a, it would have been a nice sort of callback. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, I guess if, if they had done the same for the second one, it would have felt like the same movie again, maybe like it's just the same. Yeah. Too repetitive. The, the car chase scenes, although I was like admiring the like pre 2000, no CGI, like all practical effects with giant semi trucks and, <laughs> Uh, a lot of body doubles. Uh, <laughs> so many Arnold Schwarzenegger body doubles. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and and stunt men uh, and women probably. Uh, but the, they are a little too long for my taste. <laughs> like <laughs> the, there's two major ones. The one in the river bend with the semi truck, and then the mm-hmm. last one before they blow up the building. And those are like a fair 15 minute long, like chunks of the movie. And I was like, okay, get to (laughs) it. (laughs) I feel like the first one was mainly as long as it was to get enough of the Guns N' Roses song into the movie because (laughs) there was just a bunch of tie-ins with that, that there was, they're counting on marketing. Yeah, they paid for the song. (laughs) You want to get usage of the song. Exactly. Um, Do you guys mind if I share with you my favorite scene? Yeah. I have it, uh, I have it pulled up. Uh oh. So here we go. Yes, officers. There's something wrong. Have you seen this boy? <laughs> that is from uh, Wayne's World One. Um, the, he's he's in the Murph Mobile and he's being chased by. He gets pulled over by the T1000. Very funny gag from from old Wayne's World. Which is another part of the movie that I was like, nobody is worried about this loner cop with a Polaroid of, or like <laughs> whatever, a photo people, yeah. of a kid. Have you seen this asking boy? Asking other children without their parents yeah. if they've seen this boy. Very aggressively, like, too. Grabbing them by the shoulder. Have you seen this boy? Do you yeah. know John Connor? <laughs> Never mind the foster parents that are like, not thinking about that twice they're like yeah here's his photo also let us know what he did wrong like bye they don't seem to particularly like john to be fair like i'm sure there's a whole other subplot of you know they get some like tax break from adopting so many kids and they don't really have any like true uh like attachment to john but yeah it's very Mm -hmm. funny that they're just like "Eh, here take a picture i don't care like what are you gonna kill him cool i don't know yeah. I feel like that the dog they had was probably the dad's hobby or the parents' hobby that they just like they just wanted to like breed dogs in their backyard but also <laughs> pay for it with this kid or something. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole other movie about the foster parents that's really fascinating and maybe someday James Cameron will finally release the full cut of the movie. Um but until then we can just we can just picture it. There is a funny bit with that when the T one thousand takes over the foster mother uh, kills her somewhere and then becomes her he just does what she does making a sandwich and stuff uh 
instead of just killing the dad outright because what's he there for what's he going to add to the whole situation but that's how you you know that he's a dipshit because he calls a dog he like is mean to the dog that's how like right james cameron has the audience be like oh we're okay with this guy dying because he's dipshit <laughs> or a dip it's, stick, so, dip stick. it's yeah. so weird how it is if you're mean to a dog in a movie someone's gonna murder you <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. i mean you deserve it, it. <laughs> I, 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 you know, like James Cameron, like put down something and I totally picked it up. I was like, yeah, okay, let's keep murdering people that are mean to dogs. That's the brilliance of James Cameron, okay? That he can do stuff like that without you even noticing he's doing it, man. <laughs> and it really makes John Wick all very derivative of James Cameron because that whole franchise is based on the killing of a puppy. Uh, and yet, uh, J- James Cameron was way ahead of his time doing it all first. I want to watch those movies so bad, but I refuse to because a dog dies at the beginning of the first one. I know it's just like the first like scene of the first movie, but I just like I have a hard time disassociating those two things. So I, w- I, I I'm desperate to see a cut of John Wick where that part is just completely eliminated. <laughs> I think there you can a... push forward on your remote. Shut yeah. up, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, website, and I think it's just called Does the Die Does the Dog Die dot com, and it has a list of uh, common uh, fears and phobias and things people don't want to watch. So stuff like uh, do people's teeth get knocked out? Is there um, uh, I don't know what's her, just just odd little things that people don't want to see in movies and just cringe up because they see it. A whole list of them. And so you can put in a movie like Parasite. And it, and does the dog die? No, the dog does not die and it enjoys a tasty sausage. That's what it says <laughs> for that movie. Is there a dog in Parasite? It's in the very end of the party scene. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. Spoilers. There's yeah, a dog. Spo- major spoilers. <laughs> Parasite. That's the part that really gets spoiled for people is the oh, dog. I, I totally forgot the whole movie like has you in the course. It's like, there's definitely not going to be a party at the end of this movie. And suddenly <laughs> there's a party. Yeah. It's like a big twist. Whoa. Those Koreans are just like on top of things, you know? Yeah. That dog's going to eat that sausage? <laughs> oh, man. Now I can't see the whole movie. That's pretty much the only thing you, you can say about Parasite is there's a dog that eats the sausage. That's right. I can't tell you anymore. Everything you just got to watch it. Everything else is a spoiler. Yeah, I I'm gonna check out that website. That's like it's like they make websites like for parents like that where you can look up what's appropriate or not for your children. But that's just mm-hmm. specifically for like little phobias. I'd say and, not just and... for parents. I would love to know if a dog like if I can just safely watch a movie without knowing that a dog dies in it. Yeah, it's a smart uh, search engine. Thank you, yeah. Eliza. That's my gift to you. The other thing I recommend is the BBFC website, which is their the Britain's MBAA. They actually tell you exactly what kind of like dark stuff is going on in movies, what sort of violence, what sort of sex, uh, and they're kind of explicit about some things. So it's really much more useful for people trying to decide on behalf of someone else whether they should see it. So look at you, Lewis. Look at you, yeah. Lewis. Full, full of resources. Yep. I just uh, was striving to tell the world that MPAA in America is garbage. They are the <laughs> least helpful, least useful ratings agency, and we should look to other countries and other websites to uh, to get better results. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are so. you trying to start a campaign, Lewis? He's moving uh, to Britain. He's, he's trying uh, to get expatted. He's trying to get, like... <laughs> I didn't tell you guys, but I'm here to announce my candidacy for... Uh, <laughs> NPA president. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first. 
Um, well, you have my vote. So okay, thank you. How does um, hmm. what do we rate this movie out of? Um, oh. Hmm. <laughs> Liza, do you have anything that comes to mind really quick? Uh, out of five. Uh, glistening muscular bodies. Now that's what I'm talking about. This is my kind of rating system. Out what of, do you rate this? The re, the rewatching of this movie, Lewis. Um, I give it um four glistening pecs. I uh think it's very very solid. I love watching the 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 movement of the movie i think it's really very well made it's just a terminator movie and and it has flaws because of of everything that was built on top of it so i i feel like the other franchise things have taken away that final fifth glistening pectoral muscle <laughs> Liza, what about you um i'm gonna give it a Knowing that I didn't see the first one, so th- I I do feel like I missed out a little bit. Maybe I should have watched the first one. Um, I'm gonna give it a two out of five glistening. Two bodies. for T two, huh? A T two. That's yeah. right. The title of this episode should be TBTS T two JD two glistening. Bodies. Okay, great. I'll 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 write that down and get right on it. <laughs> um, what about you, Andrew? I think so. the The obvious negative of this movie is that Edward Furlong is very annoying. Like he's just a mom, mom. Like he's not like it, his voice is at that at all times. You can't kill somebody. Come on. Like he's a he's a, I mean the reputation of this movie is that he is an annoying kid actor and he is like he's he's mm-hmm. not particularly versatile and there's just a lot of annoying lines and things about him but Arnold is great in this movie like he's the the portrayal of like a a, a killing machine trying his best to like appease a 15 year old boy is very good. He's very fun in this movie. Lyndall Hamilton rocks. Um, I will give T2 three and a half glistening hard bods. Um, yeah, I, I think Edward okay. Furlong is annoying enough to knock it down a little bit. And yeah, subsequent, <laughs> um, subsequent Terminator movies have um, made the franchise worse for sure. Um, and yeah, so I'll give it three. And I half. I do feel bad for the. I I agree that he's he is an annoying child actor. There are plenty of those out there. You know who you are. He's also had a rough um, life. But but he's the only one that talks consistently. Like Schwarzenegger says maybe four words. Same with T one thousand, and then mm-hmm. Sarah Connor talks to herself in a corner, and she's usually so, gritting through her teeth when she's talking too. So that's right. <laughs> so. I I feel like I I almost want to say he did the best he could oh, I, with like I, a very like not a lot of like back and forth dialogue where it's just him like, like I'm whiny 
you know? Yeah, I don't want to, like, uh, impugn specifically Edward Furlong for, like... Because, like, he did, he did his best. It is a decision that I think was poorly made to have the majority of speaking lines given to a... Uh, a 15 year old who's going through puberty throughout the entire movie yeah. um that <laughs> is not play, playing an angsty damaged boy on right top. like it's just a lot of right ugh. and edward furlong had a like is he he's still alive right edward furlong yeah he's in his 30s probably okay. he had a rough go after this like it was a mm. i think he had like a really hard end of his teens and 20s and so like i i don't like i don't like and I think a lot of it came from either the backlash or what he continued to experience because of his performance in this movie. So mm-hmm. I don't mean to like shit on him just purely like I, the, the performance is annoying, but it's not his fault that like he, his voice cracks and, and that like yeah. the majority of his lines are mom. Like that's not something that he brought to the movie. Like in my writer, I have to, uh, you know, I have to say mom a bunch. I can't hear anything. Uh oh. I can hear you both and see you both, but Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. Liza's frozen. <laughs> I can hear you, but I can't like you're frozen. What Li- yeah, okay, now you're moving again. You were stuck in a like uh oh pose like this for a long time. <laughs> so I was like I can't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all back. Um okay. so Liza, why don't we get right into the surpers purrs? Ooh. Oh, what a surprise. Are you shocked at this prize? Let me get myself situated, Fernando. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be unprepared for Fernando. Thank you for uh, inviting us into the surprise prize, Fernando. And Fernando coming into the surprise prize uh, wearing a mask. So thank you for being uh, responsible, Aww, Fernando. what a safe Fernando. Okay. For this week's surprise prize, I have a activity. Oh. A question. All right. <laughs> for both of you. Okay. Uh, 100 we jumping are November... jacks. What's that? 100 jumping jacks. Go. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I'll just sit uh, here and watch you do that. <laughs> um, I'll just vanish in the background, the, the, <laughs> the virtual background I have here. So, um, We are in November, and last month in October 2020 um, marked the 10 years of me living in the U.S. of A. And, hey. Uh, so give, uh, share with Liza your favorite memory of her, and let's celebrate Liza in style, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Yeah, give me attention. Yeah, I remember what... she came on a, a tramp steamer past the Statue of Liberty into New York Harbor and waved right. to all of us. That That's was right. my, with that her, was the best part. With her bindle in hand and and uh, bandana over her head, and she said, exactly. "Welcome, I'm I've made it." Um, That's yeah. right. Liza, and when there's... they asked for my name, I said, "It's not McJolly. It's just Jolly." You you said uh, you gave them their first name, and then they weren't sure what to call you, and so based on your personality, he's like, "Yeah." You're you're pretty you're pretty happy. So Liza Jolly is your name. <laughs> pretty happy for an immigrant. Yeah. Um, for an immigrant. And <laughs> I realized I was trying to think of something to commemorate, and uh, I realized that if I had gone to high school in the U.S., I would have had a ten-year high school 
reunion situation. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I didn't, and therefore there were none because France doesn't do that, and I would not go either way. But uh, I don't think it's a French word. They should have done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they don't. They don't do that. They're not a very nostalgic <laughs> peoples. I don't know. Um, so the question is, if you could get anybody from your high school interests to come to your 10-year high school reunion party, who would you have? Uh, I, can, I can start. You would need a DJ, someone to go with you, so a date. Mm-hmm. The organizer of the reunion and the one you would be most nervous to see again <laughs> after 10 years. <laughs> I'll start. If I had had a high school reunion party, I want my DJ to be a duo of Pink and Eric Sarah, <laughs> which is a weird duo, but I'm all for it. Eric Sarah, for those who don't know, makes like all the soundtracks to Luke Besson movies. Um, and Pink is like hella cool. So, you know. When you said Eric Sarah, I my brain went to Eric Carmen, who did like Hungry Eyes and. Uh... <laughs> oh, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, That'd so... be fun. <laughs> Even though I know who Eric Sarah was, uh, I thought of Michael Sarah. And I thought, why is he behind the DJ booth? That's the strangest thing. As a DJ. Ooh. <laughs> um,. My date would have been Natalie Portman, preferably. The organizer most likely would be Kristen Dunst from Bring It On. Because ready? Okay. <laughs> and I was real. I struggled finding the most, uh, the person I would be most nervous to see again. Because in real life, it's all of them. But in imaginary world where I get to pick someone that has either like been in a movie or a show or has made music, I decided to pick a night Shyamalan because the things that he made <laughs> when I was in high school were good. And 10 years later, ugh, awkward. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to go next? Sure. I'll go next. Um, <clears throat> let's see for a DJ. For my high school reunion, it would have to be the uh, twin Asian uh, DJs from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, yeah. Two of the evil exes that he has to defeat. I'd have to go with them because they can simulate like dragons with their beats and their music, and that's fucking cool. Um, for a coordinator for the party, I would have to say first thought Lorelai Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I bet she'd put on a fun party. Yeah, um, she would. Person- she would invite all the townies. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Taylor would also be there, Taylor Dozy, so it would be mm-hmm. a little bit of a bummer just because, like, she would, like, she'd be planning the party. She'd walk into Dozy's to get some items, and then he'd say, well, Lorelai, what are you doing? And she'd have to, oh, Taylor, hi, uh, and she'd have to, like, awkwardly say it, and he'd say, well, yeah. the whole town will be there, and so... He, unfortunately, Taylor would have to come as well, but that's that's yeah. fine. Fair pair, uh, trade-off. Um, person I'd most, I'd be most anxious or nervous to see. So in this, are we imagining that like our my high school was like populated by celebrities? Sure. Okay. 
Kristen Bell. You just all have to be famous the years you were in high school. Kristen Bell, <laughs> for sure. Um, Good choice. She's not your date? She's not Wait, my she's... date. No. My date is, of course, my wife, Jillian Liza. But who... you didn't know her when you were in high school. I didn't know any of these. I don't know these people now. What do you mean? <laughs> no, but you. I named things that I liked in high school. Oh, you did not set those parameters. You just gave categories. Um, okay, so a person I knew in high school that would be my date. Well, I'll have to say my date would be Data from Star Trek. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I dressed up as him for Halloween one year, so. Thanks. With the makeup? With like the makeup. all silver? Mm-hmm. Nice. Damn. Damn. Committed. Damn. Lewis, hit us up. Okay, well, uh, to start with the DJs are going to be John Linnell and John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants. Uh, I was then and still am a massive TMBG fan. Um, for the organizer, uh, kind of along the same lines as uh, Andrew, I'm going with Jean-Luc Picard from uh, Enterprise. <laughs> nice. He's going to have to bring the Enterprise all the way back to Earth and organize a, a reunion party. And then Is everybody wearing like color-coded suits then? <laughs> I, I assume so, yes. Uh, right. uh, my date will be uh, Claire Kincaid, who is a character on Law & Order, who I was uh, besotted with, um, played by Jill Hennessy. Um, she was one of the prosecutor characters um, in the sort of fourth through sixth season before they killed her off, just because she wanted to do other stuff. They killed her off. It's terrible. Poor her. And who would I be most nervous to see after 10 years? Uh, have to go with the Terminator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad party if the Terminator shows up. Exactly. Like some years he wants to like really, really kill you. Other times he wants to like look out for you. Is like, is he the bully or the friend? You just never know what you're going to get with that guy. That's and every true. 10 years it probably flip flops. That's so. true. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That's a good choice. Good choice. Great surprise prize, Liza. Yeah. yeah I, agree. I pinned you down. Mm. Uh. <laughs> uh well everybody you can uh pin us down by subscribing to our patreon page uh to get our bonus episodes every that's right two weeks you might even learn more about your guest on the patreon that's right the little spoiler Ooh. for the patreon episode uh is uh you might get to know lewis a little better but uh subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash good talk studio and you can uh, follow us on instagram Instagram.com. Uh, on Facebook, if you want, if you're like a boomer and you're boring or whatever. Facebook.com slash back to school. And then if you're the coolest of them all, you can go to Twitter. Twitter.com slash TBT school. And uh, who knows? Maybe in like five years, we'll get a TikTok or something. But Oh, my goodness. <laughs> maybe in five years, I'll actually know what it is and how it works. <laughs> We'll be, we'll be uh, by the time that all the people who are on TikTok now have like aged out and don't use it anymore, we'll That's we'll when we're going to enter. We'll yeah, swoop just in like and Twitter. Like, yeah, when people are not <laughs> using it anymore, then we'll finally be the stars that we're, we're destined to be on TikTok. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to monetize it for pennies to maybe quarters every month Yeah. <gasps> at that point. Uh, Lewis, before we go, anything you want to plug or share with the, the audience? I'd love it if the audience would go to longballstudios.com and check out the two podcasts I'm on. Uh, I'm the host of Spoiled Again with my friend Ed Bailey. We talk about movies. And I'm also a regular member on uh, Talk and Chat, which is our sort of improv talk show comedy thing. 
Yeah, Sproulder Grand is great. They go much more in depth in their movie reviews than these bozos you're <laughs> listening to right now. We've got like a dozen pages of notes we didn't get to for this episode. Come on, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. Maybe you can do T2 on your podcast. You just have to find another time-traveling robot movie to match it with that isn't as good as this one. Any any of the Terminator movies, I think, counts as that. Here you go. Boom. All right, everybody. Your homework is already made. Thanks Easy. for listening, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.